look for the light. It's there. His light is always there, and His hand is always close. And and He suffers with us. He's with us. He's Emmanuel. He's with us. That's the voice of Jan Harrison, a mother who has experienced the deep trial of the death of her young adult son while he was serving on a mission in Africa. Welcome to this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. We're here each week at this time bringing you stories of God at work in people's lives. And if you've never checked us out online, I hope you'll do that soon where you'll find a long list of guests and topics from the past several years. They're all archived at firstpersoninterview.com. Or if you'd like to download a program and take on the go with you this summer, you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes or download our free iPhone app. And a good place to start is firstpersoninterview.com. We also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Well, today's guest is Jan Harrison, an author, speaker, and Bible study teacher who, along with her family, suffered through the sudden death of her son while he was serving on a mission in Africa. Through her pain, Jan learned deep lessons about God's love and care, and she wrote about it in her book, Life After the Storm. As you listen to Jan's story today, I hope you will be comforted, too, in knowing that God's love will carry you through despite sometimes agonizing circumstances of life. Jan and I started the conversation talking about her commitment to God's Word. It is uh, really my passion for women and especially women, for people to know the Word of God, to hear His voice speak personally through His Word, and to apply it to their lives because it makes all the difference in your relationship with Him. Hmm. When did this Word find its way into your heart? When did you find Christ, and and when did this become important to you? You know, like so many people, my journey with the Lord really started when I was a child going to church. But in all those years of growing up, there was an inability, a lack of understanding, a curtain drawn in my mind and in my heart, really, on how to know Him. I wanted to know Him, but I didn't really have any idea how you did that. And when I was 27 years old, I was invited to go to a Bible study, and that felt very comfortable to me, like a very good thing to be doing with my time. And off I went, thinking that I knew a lot anyway, and I would probably add to the group. And I went into a class where the Word of God was taught in a way that I had never heard it taught before. It was taught with authority. It was taught with clarity. It was spoken with such commitment and application that I realized what I had missed all of those years was God's voice speaking to me through His Word. So that was where my journey really began, um, where my relationship, I let go of religion and I grabbed onto a relationship that has grown as a result of that for more than 30 years now. And you have a passion to teach God's Word. That's clear, Jan. And Mm -hmm. uh, Tell me about your family just quickly. God's 
most amazing gift that he gives to his people is family, I think. After your salvation, my husband Frank and I have been married for 38 years. We had our first date when we were 16 years old. So we grew up together, and so. we're, wow. <laughs> we're growing mature together, and by the grace of God, we have grown in relationship with the Lord together. Um, we were blessed to have four children, a daughter, a son, and two more daughters, Everyone is grown now, and as of two weeks ago, all three girls are married, and now they are establishing their own home. Oh, that's exciting. You are blessed. Although, you mentioned your son. His name was James, and that's the storm that came into your life. Tell me the story of James. Oh, the story of James. He was our only son, And um, he was such a precious boy. He was an amazing brother. He was kind and caring and fun and funny and adventuresome and all of the things that little boys are. (laughs) And he just gave our family an edge and a a side that I can't imagine what life would have been like had we not had that. Hmm. He had some struggles. He was a bright, sharp little boy, and he really struggled in school. So early on, we just learned to start taking particularly James, all of our children, but particularly James, taking James to the Lord, just asking God to guide us and lead us and give us wisdom and show us and to speak life and help and hope and all of those things into raising up this um, this young man that God was molding. He had such a heart of compassion for people. He loved and noticed. He noticed people that were in the shadows and in the margins of life. He was drawn to people in poverty and people that struggled. And I think looking back now, I can see that part of that was just a longing in his own being, um, because he felt like there were in places in his life he was on the margins mm. and in the shadows. And is that what took him to Africa? Was that that uh, compassion? You know, actually, probably the bottom line truth of what took him to Africa the first time. He went to Africa several times as a young man. He and his dad loved to hunt, and they hunted all over the world. He hunted with his grandfather and his father and himself. They just, they had some great adventures. So he was introduced to to a larger world, really, as as a as a young man, as a as a kid, and then as a young man. But so his sense of adventure mm. is truly probably what took him to Africa the okay. very first time. And what was he doing there? Well, the very first time he went, he was invited to go and be a 
uh, a summer intern, I guess you would call it, or a part-time missionary, short-term missionary, um, with Samaritan's Purse in South Sudan. And James was 21 years old, still struggling to get through school, struggling to figure out what to do with himself, struggling to find his way between um, this world and probably what he was sensing was was a call maybe on his life. And so when invited to go to Africa and and engage in this place where there was such want and need and civil war, and it, it was thrilling to him. He could not imagine anything um, more uh, engaging and exciting. So he went, and it was within that first 24 hours of landing there that God got James's attention in a way that that changed the rest of his life. He was just impacted by the local pastors, by the commitment, by the love of the people who had nothing um, and had they lived in abject poverty with no hope for tomorrow to look any different, but they were filled with such love and joy and praise for God. It it riveted his attention like nothing ever had. Jan, I know what it's like as a parent to uh, send our children, be they adults or not, off into the world. Mm-hmm even uh, the world outside the U.S. And, and all that that brings. But did you have any reservations? Did you and Frank have any reservations at all about him going? You know, it's a funny thing. We should have, but we didn't. Um, we are just, we were just always, always asking the Lord to move in our children's life and do whatever it took. And, you know, we trust the people he was going there with, and we trusted the Lord, and God honored that because that summer was, it was life-changing for James in, at so many levels and in so many ways. Um, he got very sick there. He had a severe case of malaria. There were things that probably should have frightened us from Africa forever, but it was just it was it was God's appointed place, and so no, not really. We weren't afraid. Jen Harrison telling us her story today. She's the author of Life After the Storm, and we'll continue in a moment. In cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, we're now producing the daily radio program FEBC Today with Ed Cannon. When you click on the FEBC banner at firstpersoninterview.com or the banner on our new iPhone iPad app for First Person, you'll learn more about what you can do to assist FEBC in taking Christ to the world through radio and new technology. Learn more at firstpersoninterview.com or download the First Person smartphone app today. My guest today is Jan Harrison. Jan is the author of Life After the Storm, God Will Carry You Through. She knows that because she and her family have experienced that because of the death of their son, James, at age 27, right, Jan? 
That's right. Tell me the circumstances. Where was he and what happened? In the spring of 2010, James was between school and work, finishing um, some, some courses, and he decided it was time again to do a check-in in Africa. And he returned to Kenya, to the uh, southeast corner of Kenya on the Tanzania border to a small village, really, um, a small town where his mentor from those six years earlier in South Sudan, his mentor and friend, Pastor Simon, um, pastored a church and had ministry all over that region. And James was just ready to go and live with Pastor Simon for a while. He had done that before and to work alongside him and to um, just see if this was really his place that he was ready to put down roots and commit. Mm -hmm. So he left in May, and he went. He lived in Namunga, Kenya. He um, worked in that village. He really engaged and participated and rooted himself in village life. He said to me, Mom, I am a Kenyan. <laughs> and he really meant that in returning there afterwards. I found out so many things. He helped them just try to establish a just a system for garbage and waste disposal. He helped them build roads. He loved the people and worked alongside them and the church there, the community there, the My Side women there, just, um, just really was a part of that life. And while doing all of that, he also had to, um, you know, from time to time, he would take part-time jobs and go back and forth to Kenya, trying to also keep some income coming, keep his visa up to date, just all of those technicalities. And being a young man, being a uh, stubborn young man, <laughs> uh, being a Strong-willed, yeah. <laughs> yes, let me just say that again. I know I've said it three times. He apparently ignored the fact that he was sick, and we um, had no idea that he was very sick, and I don't think he had any idea he was very sick. He went to Nairobi. We talked to him on a Friday, and... On Monday of the following week, he was very tired and did not feel well and checked into a hotel, and we received a call on October the 10th, 2010, October the 5th, 2010, and we were informed that James had died oh, in Nairobi. Oh, my goodness. I, how, how, do you, how do you receive that news? I mean, you must have been stunned. You are stunned. Stunned, you are shocked, you can't really even conceive, you know, it's been months since you've seen him. He's on the other side of the world living a life you're not fully able to comprehend, and then you receive that the word that he's dead, mm -hmm. and 
you you just can't take it all mm. in. Well, there is so much to this story that uh, we'll have to leave for your book to explain. Uh, the book, again, is called Life After the Storm, and, and I heartily recommend this to our listeners, Jan. But when you got that call, uh, you talk in the book about God sustaining love, about the grief that you and your family went through. I was particularly touched by one pastor who said to you, you know, you can you can grieve however you want to grieve. And in so many words, he said that. Do you remember yeah. that conversation? I remember it so vividly. And Wayne, it's been almost five years, and I still return to that statement. What he said to me um, was, People will give you all kinds of advice on what you need to do, but this grief belongs to you, and it is between you and the Lord. Hmm. And he said, as your pastor, I just want to tell you, nothing you do is wrong. Hmm. And I heard that with such an open heart. I needed, I suppose, to be freed from whatever the expectations mm-hmm. were going to be, and I had no idea what they were, from other people, from the church community, from my family, from myself. What would what was grief supposed to look like? And you don't know. So I still sometimes will say, I can do this any way I want to, mm-hmm. because it's between me and Jesus. Boy, there's great freedom there. I understand that. How has the Lord met you? I, you've been studying His Word and living this mm-hmm. Christian life and growing in Christ all these years, and then suddenly, right in your face with this terrible, tragic news. How has the Lord met you there? Oh, he has been... It's a, it's a term we use so frequently as Christians, but I can't improve on it. God is faithful. Mm. He shows up in every dark place and in every oh, in every puddle, in every deep hole. He's been there. Sometimes you can't recognize him. But he's there, and you look back and you see, had it not been for the grace and the goodness and the hand of God, I don't think I would have come out of it. It's, I am, I I get up today and I am amazed at his goodness. Mm -hmm. And I can only declare he is who he says he is, and he does what he says he will do. Some people don't come out on the other side of a tragedy like this with that understanding, though, for some reason, and I can't explain it. Uh, What made the difference for you and your family? You know, I, I have found this statement lately, and I keep echoing it. And even now, it's the thing that God brings to my mind, and it's what David said when he found himself in a place of just utter awe at at God's goodness towards him. And all I can say is, who am I and who is my family that God would bring us 
this far. It's not that we deserve it. It's not that we've worked for it. It is maybe because he's the same for everyone, but we've had eyes to see and ears to hear. And that is because we've known him personally and we've established that relationship long before we lost James. Jan, there are people listening today who know the kind of deep pain that you are feeling at at James' death. They know because they've gone through something similar. Right. Talk to them about what you've learned about the sustaining love of Christ. Mm. Just, again, I mean, weeping does last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That's what he told us, and that's what we can know. And the night may last for a long time, but night always gives way to dawn. It it always does. And if we look around and we watch for the signs and the symbols that God has given us, He has shown us the seasons change because He's faithful, and the the night and the day continue because He's faithful, and God's Word is true, and He will He will always have the last word, and because He is a Redeemer, even though life was lost, I know that that there's more. I know it's not over. I know it's an interval. Mm-hmm. And so the question I I have to ask myself and I challenge anybody that's there is how can I live the interval in a way that won't waste this time? To know that I've been given just this crack into eternity, to know that that this is just a little little place on the whole long line of eternal life and and to not despair look for the light it's there just the his light is always there and his hand is always close and and he suffers with us he's with us he's Emmanuel he's with us well, I look forward to meeting James someday in heaven. I'll look for him among the Kenyans there in heaven. <laughs> yes, that's where he wants to be for sure. Our guest in conversation today has been Jan Harrison, the author of Life After the Storm, God Will Carry You Through. For information regarding Jan's book and more about her, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. And if you missed last week's program, we talked with filmmakers Alex and Stephen Kendrick about their new movie to be released next month, The War Room, on the topic of the power of prayer. There's more about it in our archive of programs at firstpersoninterview.com, where you can listen to what you may have missed last week. Firstpersoninterview.com. Next week, Jerry Wiles of Living Water International will join us to talk about the orality movement and how God is using it to spread the gospel message through the spoken word. Now, with thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for their help, 
And with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, inviting you to join us next time for First Person. First Person.